In this life we have with God, this life is connected to your language. As a person who walks with God, your life is built by what you declare or it is waiting for you to say something. Everything in your life is connected to your words. When you say I'm hungry, you get hungry. If you weren't already hungry, if you talk about food enough, you get hungry. When you talk about what you love, you begin to fall in love with it even more. Your words can create passion or create distance. Your words have power and your words begin to create something in your world. For each one of us, our words are opening our destiny or locking our future. You can open your destiny or lock your future based on what you say. And so as we partner with God and begin to say the things that God has spoken, you begin to unlock your very future. What does that mean? God is partnering with you and God is waiting for you to say his words. He's waiting for you to say what he's saying. Now, we're not going to be long tonight because I believe the Lord has already moved into worship. If you weren't already touched into worship, you are a corpse needing paddles. Clear. We will figure out how to get you back in a minute. We will call you back. Now, it's powerful because everything God does from the beginning of time all the way up until the book of Revelation, God is a speaking God. Because he is a speaking God, we understand that the kingdom of God is built upon people who declare. God is waiting for someone to declare because his kingdom moves by words. Everything in the kingdom of God moves at the speed of declaration. If nothing is being said, nothing is happening. If a little is being proclaimed, a little begins to manifest. When much begins to be spoken, much begins to happen. We understand that because God calls the dark ages of his kingdom the seasons when no one is declaring. For 400 years, there was no open prophetic word, and it says that the word of the Lord could not be found. In other words, nobody was talking, nobody was prophesying, nobody was saying anything. People had the word, but they wouldn't declare it like it was real. Prophets were not walking around. Why? Because the people had lived so long without faith that they had not mixed their faith with the word they heard. So God said, why keep speaking if nobody's believing? You can pull a word out of heaven. Ah, you can pull a word out of a prophetic moment. If you're sitting in an atmosphere like this and you begin to stir up your faith, you can pull a prophetic word in your direction. You can pull a healing in your direction. You can pull an encounter with God. How do I know that for those who are going with, I don't even know if that makes sense. Well, I'm glad you asked me. The Bible says that Jesus was minding his own business, walking through a crowd and a woman touched him and he suddenly said, who touched me? And his disciples said what foolishness is this you speak of seeing that you are touched by many people he said no their hand hit me but nobody touched me I felt the touch of faith faith made a demand on my anointing and stopped me in motion faith makes God stop moving and turn aside to release what is in his presence you can pull out of the presence of God a supernatural encounter you can pull out of the presence presence of God the miracle you've been waiting for you can pull out of the presence of God a supernatural touch while everyone else is waiting you can start receiving if you let your faith go forward 
most people are waiting on God. You can wait on God so long that you will see him before you get what you waited for. Some of us get to heaven and go, oh, I've been waiting on you. And God goes, I know. And I sent your miracle a long time ago. Now, the difference between waiting and receiving is active faith. Active faith means I'm not just saying I'm believing. Every day of my life, I am actively moving toward what I am believing for. So if I say I'm believing, I use my faith daily. I activate my faith. I stir up my faith. I put my faith to work. Most of us have faith that's unemployed because our faith ain't working. Our faith is sitting at home making sandwiches. Our faith is watching the news and the TV show while we go to work. Our faith is watching Netflix while we going and trying to make 40 hours. But our faith ain't working. It's just resting. Resting faith does not produce. Your faith must go to work. Most of us don't know how to work our faith. So you have to work your faith. How do you put your faith to work? Number one, you've got to speak what you believe. Because faith doesn't move until someone declares something. If you're not saying anything, your faith isn't moving toward anything. Your faith moves toward what your words begin to frame. So you've got to say what you believe in order for it to begin to manifest. If you're not saying anything, you'll never see anything. Oh, in the kingdom, a quiet mouth is an empty hand. A quiet mouth is an empty hand. We spend our time saying, well, when God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Well, that's wonderful, but that's 10 levels of stupid and 15 crazies. Let me help you. Because the Bible already declares, God said, I want you to be healthy. I would above all things, I would prosper and be in health, even as our soul prosper. God said that they want you to prosper. Deuteronomy 28, if you abide in my word and do these things that are written in the law, then you shall be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in the coming, blessed in the going, blessed when you rise and blessed when you lay down. Your dog will be blessed. Your cat will be blessed. Your bird going to sing a right song. The fish going to swim in right temperature water. You going to be so blessed that when you walk outside, your enemies will bless you. Deuteronomy 28 says the blessing becomes your normal. But if you are not living in the declaration of the blessing and walking in the truth of the word, God said, I commanded blessing to find you, but blessing can't find you because you ain't said nothing. Uh, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say he says once you get redeemed you need to say out of your own mouth I've been redeemed why because your ear needs to hear your voice declare your truth you got to declare your truth until your mind agrees with it you got to walk around and say what God said until your brain starts to act different you got to walk around your house and say yes I am blessed even when you ain't got no money you got to walk around your house and say I'm healed even when you still feel sick you got to walk around your house and say we gonna move out of here into a good place even when you got roaches running around the carpet you got to say where you're going until it shows up because looking at at the same and saying nothing changes nothing your words have to open up your future your words got to open your future you got to say something look at somebody and say say something 
You've got to say it until it becomes your expectation. You got to say it until it becomes your meditation. You got to say it until it gets in your brain and stays in there. You got to say it until your imagination agrees with what's coming out of your mouth. You got to say it till you start dreaming about it. You got to say it till you wake up thinking about it. You got to say it till your kids start talking about it at the dinner table. You got to say it till your husband finally agree and till your wife say, I think that's going to be all right. You got to say it until it becomes your only testimony because if you keep saying what you've always said you'll keep receiving what you've always had you got to change what's coming out of your mouth say something God is waiting for someone to understand that if you speak he will cause what comes out of your mouth to begin to come to life in your very dwelling place. It'll begin to walk towards you. The Bible says the word of God comes out of his mouth, but it does not come back to him void. It will accomplish. It will produce. It will manifest the thing he sent it to perform. I love that word in one of the translations. It says after the word has been spoken, there shall be a performance. Mm. There's been songs written recently where they talk about a performance of the word. I love that word performance when you look at when it says there shall be a performance of the word it literally means the word carries within it the ability to manifest its own future i'm gonna say that again for those that ain't all already with me when the bible says the word shall perform it means the word carries inside itself not from somewhere else not waiting for more power to come, not needing another anointing to come on it. The word carries inside itself the ability to manifest what it came to do. Ah. So when God spoke that word over you, inside that word, wrapped in your prophecy, was the manifestation of the future was the power to make it happen was the full house inside the blueprint mm. was the healing inside the promise was your new marriage inside your old marriage ah. inside of the word god hid the power to make it manifest so god says if you can believe what i said is real and act like it's real when you hear it the negative in your life must bow to the power of the word. The lack in your life must bow to the power of the word. You don't need another thing to show up after you got the word. If you believe. The reason most of us don't see the manifestation is because after we heard the word, we're now waiting. Now, in what service? In what conference? On what day, after what dream, after eight prophets anoint me with oil and 15 intercessors give me words and somebody calls me who never met me at three o'clock in the morning off a phone line I've never spoken to anybody on. After seven angels and three midgets clothed in silver. <laughs> after dopey, sleepy, and dark come riding through my house on stallions and tell me thus saith the Lord thy God. We start creating a fantasy 
needed for reality. God says, while you're telling me what you need, if you could believe that I am enough, if you could believe that I don't have the power to lie, and if I'm looking in your direction and speaking, then the word by itself has enough power inside of it. Once it hits your life like a seed, it will begin to grow and produce what I said it would produce. If you could believe that I'm faithful enough to keep my word, that I'm powerful enough to bring it to pass, that I'm good enough not to lie to you, that I'm wise enough not to mess up your future, that I'm gracious enough not to lead you the wrong way. If you could ever believe in my nature, when you hear my word, then my word is not a problem. But if you don't trust my nature, you'll never trust my word. Ah. Speak, Lord. God says, don't ask me to speak if you don't trust me. Speak, Lord. <laughs> don't ask me for a word if you keep doubting my nature. Speak, Lord. Why are you asking me for a miracle when you doubt my power? Speak, Lord. Why are you asking me for an answer when you doubt my ability? Speak, Lord. Why are you asking me for wisdom when you doubt my strategies? Speak, Lord. Why are you asking me for a solution but you doubt my peace? God said, so don't ask me if you don't trust me. Because if you trust me, one word is enough. Ah, one word is all you need if you really trust him, if you really trust him. See what we forget and, and I'm, again, I'm not going to be long. Are y'all good for about 15 more minutes? 15, that's all we need. I hear the laugh of unbelief. I hear the laugh of unbelief. <laughs> when we talk about Abraham, this mighty man of God, the Bible says in the book of Romans that Abraham had such faith in God that he did not stagger. He staggered not at the promises of God. He staggered not in unbelief. That word stagger is the same connotation in the Greek for becoming drunk. Unbelief literally inebriates us. We get drunk on unbelief. Unbelief literally means that like you've had too much alcohol, and you can't think straight and you begin to stumble over your words and you slur your words and you lose track of what's coming in succession. He says that's what happens to the life of faith is you begin to stumble over the scriptures and you begin to slur his promises like he can't keep his word and you begin to stumble over the succession of God's history so that you begin to forget who he is. You stagger at his promise. You stagger at his ability. We stagger. We used to stand still and say God's a healer, but now we don't say he's a healer. We stagger. I hope he heals me. 
Maybe he'll heal me. I hope I get better. We're staggering now. We used to say he could pay my bills and bless me, but now we stagger. If he don't come through, I'm going to have to borrow money from some people I don't like and have to pay more than I want. We're staggering now. We used to say God can save my whole house, but it's been so long and they've been on drugs so long. We begin to stagger God. I just want them to do better. I just hope they don't go back to prison. I just hope they don't hurt nobody. And we don't ask God to make them a preacher, save them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. Now we're staggering at the problem. We used to say, God, use my life in any way you want. But now we just say, Lord, just don't let this thing take me out. Don't let this condition, don't let this problem control me. And now we're staggering. And the Bible says, Abraham considered not his own body. But he considered the promise of God and he did not stagger. He let the word of God make his feet stable. He stood in the face of opposition, looked the devil in the face and said, I know God and I know you and God is a winner and you're a liar. I'm going to trust God until he comes to pass. He did not stagger. He stood still. God said, we've got to have a faith again that rises up in us where we stop wavering every time trouble comes. Stop shaking every time somebody looks at you sideways. Stop falling apart because the money was late. Stop acting crazy because they said they're going to fire you. Stop losing your mind because somebody you like don't like you back. Why are you going to let the whole world make you stagger when God formed the world by his word and made the earth sit in the hollow of his hand? If he can hold the world, he can hold you. Stop falling apart. Stop staggering. Stand ye still. And when you speak, speak like you know who he is. The God that gave me this promise is the God that made the earth. If he can make the mountain stand for 20,000 years, for 3 million years, that same ocean has been full of water. He made the dinosaurs and let them roam around, then plunge them into darkness and form the earth in its beauty. Then he can form my footsteps and cause me to walk in glory. He made the sun rise in the morning. He can rise me up out of this trouble. He made the wind blow from the east and cool my face on a hot day he can get me out of this trouble the same God is my God and I'm gonna trust him and stand on his word God said stop staggering speak stop falling apart speak stop trusting what you hear speak stop looking at what people are doing speak stop letting everybody make you nervous speak stop letting everybody get on your nerves speak stand still and see the salvation of God yes you've got to get your shoulders back together Fear will make you drop your shoulders and bow your head. Ah, I want you right now, look around the room, just, just sit up a little bit straight. Sit up straight. Sit up, sit up, sit up, sit up, sit up. Just look at somebody and say, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Yeah, I'm a winner. You might not have known me a minute ago, but let me introduce myself. I'm a winner. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Let me introduce myself again in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Every now and then you've got to remind yourself who you carrying. 
you're not carrying the God who apologizes, but you carrying the God who decrees a thing and it shall be what he said. You're carrying on the inside of you the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead and he shall quicken, make alive your mortal body. You're carrying on, on the inside of you Holy Ghost power and fire. You're carrying on the inside of you a yes and an amen from God. You're carrying on the inside of you supernatural glory. Yes, you got glory on the inside of you. Yes. You've got to remind yourself because life will try to quiet you. Life will try to get you to stop talking loud and walking strong. Life will get you to apologize for believing God. Life will get you to start talking quiet about your dreams. And I hope it comes to pass. And if the Lord allows it, I just maybe one day when God is the one who told you that would happen. Now you apologizing for a prophecy instead of prophesying with power. Now you're holding your head down because it's been four or five years. I don't care if it's been 50 years. If God told me something, I'm going to see it happen before I leave this earth and I'm going to act like I heard him every day of my life. The worst thing you can do as a believer is to apologize for what God said. Because you steal your own momentum. Every time you let life make you hold your head down, you extend the length of your battle. Ah, you extend the length of your battle. Some of us have been in battles too long because we keep talking about what God said as though it might happen. But you got to talk like it is going to happen. The Bible says Abraham staggered not. Now I want you to just think about this for a minute. The first time Abraham heard God, he was 75 years old. He was already old. He was old when the promise found him. God told an old man and an old woman, two old people together, y'all going to have a baby. That ain't cute for nobody. Two old people talking about a baby. Mm -mm. No, Lord have mercy. Two Sharpays talking about having a chihuahua. And God said, <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all got that a little bit late. God speaks and says to them, why does he do this? He does everything God does, he does on purpose. God does nothing by accident. He chooses two people that time has demanded they give up hope for children. Time has demanded that your body cannot produce what God has declared is yours. Time has convinced you to give up on the promise that used to be yours. Now, when you have finally agreed with time, God shows up and says, I am going to give you a child. But time says we're too old. Life says it's been too long. 
Our family has come into agreement that we would have no child. We have even made the decision that one of our servants will be our heir. God, everything you're saying about us is the opposite of what life and family and function says is possible. And God said, that's why I let your life reach the condition of non-producing. So that whatever comes now, I get credit for. God says, now I need you to understand I'm going to give you a baby. Bible says, Abraham says, okay, Lord. Abraham got happy at the word. Sarah said, look at here now. Now, I know he's happy, but he ain't got nothing to do. He don't have no work in this. She got to carry a baby in an old body. She's got to carry a baby in a body that's beginning to have arthritis. We hadn't thought about all this. This is an old woman who's reached the place where her body has come to the place of not producing what it needs to produce. And now God says, I'm going to put a baby in a womb that can't carry a baby. God says, I'm going to put a business in your family. And you've just declared bankruptcy. God said, I'm going to make your marriage be sweet. And every marriage in your past, in your family line, has ended in divorce or confusion. The Lord says, I'm going to put a ministry in you where you're going to win the lost. But everybody who knows your testimony says, but wasn't you an addict? Wasn't you a drunk? Wasn't you messed up? How are you going to minister to others? God said, because I waited until you couldn't produce. Ah. I waited until you couldn't take glory for what I'm going to do. I waited until whatever happens, my name gets praised for your blessing. I waited until you couldn't produce it on your own. But by my power and my outstretched hand, I have given you the victory. I waited until like Israel, God said, not for your righteousness have I delivered you, but because of my own name, I have brought you out. God says, I'm doing this for my name. And when God begins to do it for his name, he said, now remember, I'm going to get glory out of this. God talks to Abraham and Abraham said, yes, Lord, now. The problem is, after God says there is a miracle coming, some years begin to pass. Time continues to move. Why? Because the first test is can you believe that God has the power to move outside of what you have the power to do? Can you believe God can do it without your help? Can God do it without your schemes, your strategies? without you manipulating people? Can God give you a business without you begging anybody for money? Can God pay your bills without you sending your family sad text messages? Can God take care of your future without you telling everybody how bad it looks? Can you trust God to do it himself? That's your first test. The second test is can you master your emotions while you wait? Because after that prophetic word comes, after you begin to speak, after you begin to decree the word of God, you have to know the next test is everything in your life is going to fight your declaration. 
Everything is going to fight you. Why? Because if the enemy can make you agree with your emotions instead of the word of God, you give up your own blessing. The devil ain't big enough to steal your destiny. Ain't no witch, no warlock, no power on earth that can steal the blessing of God. Ain't no frenemy, ain't no enemy, ain't nobody trying to hate on you, curse on you, gossip you. Ain't nobody on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Omegle, Google, whatever you name it to be. Ain't nobody out there that has the power to destroy your future. So what the enemy does is he waits until you start to think about how long it's been. When you begin to wait time in your mind, when you start to think about how long it's been and how much money it's cost you and how much pain you in and why ain't nobody else helping me and why do I have to walk by myself and why do I feel so alone? When you begin to meditate on the cost that you've incurred over time. At that moment, the enemy comes. He knows he can't take the blessing. So he simply whispers, seems like God forgot you. Seemed like if he was going to do it, he'd have done it by now. Don't you think you've waited long enough? Don't you feel like God would have blessed you by now if he was going to do it? If he was really going to heal you, wouldn't he have done it by now? If he was going to bless your children, wouldn't he have changed their life by now? So why don't you just go ahead and stop wasting time believing? And just go ahead and live your life. Because if God was going to do it, he would have done it by now. The second test everyone has to overcome when you're speaking what God is going to do in your life is you have to overcome the test of time. Because your emotions will be sifted through the time of your life. Your emotions will be tested. The pressure will come upon your emotions and begin to speak in your ear. And if you can't master your emotions in the pressure of time, time will make you doubt the God you used to believe. Time will make you question God and you know he's faithful. Time will make you walk around and say things like, I, I guess maybe I miss God when I heard that prophecy. Uh, may, may, maybe they just prophesied wrong when they said that word. Maybe, maybe it's just been too long. Maybe, I, I, maybe there was just sin somewhere in my life. Maybe I messed up. And you start to question yourself so you end up making it about your ability instead of God's faithfulness. And you get so focused on yourself and thinking, what did I do wrong and why is it taking so long that you get caught up in the storm of self-introspection. You start staring at yourself in the mirror thinking, what did I do wrong? And God is going, if I didn't need your power to speak it, I don't need your power to manifest it. I just need you to believe. Stop spending all your time checking yourself. Abraham didn't have the power to make a child. Sarah didn't have the power to carry one. But God spoke it and said, it shall come to pass. Time begins to weigh upon them. And here comes now Hagar. Ah. I, I, I'm almost done. About 10 minutes. We're going to be done. Here comes 
Hagar. I love Hagar. This woman named Hagar, she was a servant in the house. And when they brought sister girl, I like that. They brought sister girl in. Hagar was from the land of Egypt. Now, if you remember when God was first talking to Abraham, he ran down into Egypt with his wife, Sarah, in a time of famine. When he runs down into Egypt, the Bible says Sarah was so fine at 75. Fine. Fine. She was cool like ice and clean like a new suit. Fine. At 75, she was so beautiful that when the Pharaoh saw her from a distance, he said, I want to make that woman one of my wives. Abraham was such a chicken. He was a man of faith, but he was scared. He told Sarah, now look, I hear, I hear Pharaoh like you. If he asked you if you're my wife, say you're my sister. Because if he knows I'm your husband, he might kill me. The father of faith was a liar. Ooh. Ooh. Straight up lied. Y'all got to read your Bible for real. You don't need to watch Days of Our Lives and all that stuff. You read your Bible. That book is a trip. Abraham tells his wife, lie. Because this dude will kill anybody who he wants to take the wife. God gives Pharaoh a dream and says, if you touch her, I will kill you. God, in the middle of the night, Nelda, God tiptoed up by Pharaoh's bed and said, hey, if you touch her, I'm going to kill you. Pharaoh woke up and said, wait a minute. And got mad at Abraham and said, why didn't you tell me that was your wife? God almost killed me because of you. How does Pharaoh obey God better than Abraham? Which is why it took Abraham so long to get a son. Because if you don't protect your wife, why should I give you a child? Some of us need to realize the length of your prophecy wasn't because the devil was so big and so bad. It's because God was checking the value you placed on the stuff he already gave you. And since you hadn't valued what he already gave you, God said, why would I fulfill the prophecy when you won't honor the job I already gave you? Why should I give you your own company? And you won't wash that car I gave you, but you're waiting for a new vehicle. And you won't clean the house you live in, but you're waiting for a mansion. And you won't show up on time to the church you do go to, but you're praying for your own ministry. If you can't value what I already gave you, why should I give you a child? <laughs> and here we have God protects him in Egypt. Now, here's why I touch on that. They go into Egypt and Egypt tries to take Sarah. When they leave Egypt, a few years later, Hagar is from Egypt. Egypt wanted to sleep with Sarah and God said no. 
Egypt says, well, then I'll try to sleep with Abraham. And Abraham said yes. Why? Because at every level of blessing, you must conquer the same test you conquered last time. At every level of blessing and increase, you must reconquer the same test. Whatever test has been the thing that fights you in your life, if it's your tongue, if it's your anger, if it's how you deal with money, if it's whether or not you're willing to tithe, if it's how you treat your relatives, the same test is going to show up at every level of increase. And it will show up till you finally conquer it. Ah. Why did it show up the second time? Because Abraham didn't conquer it the first time. God conquered it for Abraham, but he didn't conquer it. And since that spirit said, wait a minute, he was going to let Pharaoh take his wife, but God protected him. Then I'm going to come back at him this way and see if I can get him to agree over here. The same test will show up until you conquer it. When you are speaking and decreeing in this season, what God is saying is going to come to you. The way that you receive the word of the Lord manifested in your life is you must determine whatever it is you've been facing. Conquer it so that the word can take root and manifest. Because whatever you don't conquer will one day control you. Whatever you tolerate will dominate you one day. Oh, is this helping anybody? Good. Abraham now, they've given birth to this child called Ishmael. We're almost done. Ishmael, they have this baby. He's running around looking like Abraham, but acting like Hagar. He's looking like the promised land, but acting like the place of rebellion. Looking like his daddy, but acting like his mama. Looking like a blessing, but acting like the flesh. Looking like God sent it, but acting like the devil brought it. The thing that you produce when you don't trust God's timing. The thing you give birth to when you keep doubting God's character. The stuff you let live because you wouldn't wait a few more days on God. That job you took when you know God said to wait. That marriage you in when you know God said to wait. Ain't nobody talking now. <laughs> All because we wouldn't wait. Impatience is a dangerous thing. In the kingdom of God, what gets us in trouble more often than anything else is lack of patience. Be still and know that I'm God. 
God said, before you do anything, teach yourself to be still, master your emotions, make yourself sit until I speak. Well, God hadn't spoke yet, then wait a little bit longer. Well, he's not talking, then wait a little bit longer. But it's been three years, then wait three years and two months. But I've been waiting four years, then wait four years and six months. I'm going to wait till he talk. Why? Because if I move before he talk, whatever I give birth to, I've got to live with. So I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait till you talk to me. I'm going to wait right here. I'm not talking about just everyday life. I'm not talking about waiting on the word before you go to the grocery store. Go buy some food. I'm not talking about waiting on the word. What should I wear tonight? God don't care what you put on. Just wear something that fit. You know, we come up with some silly spirituality. Well, I haven't left my house yet because I'm waiting to see if the Lord will tell me what shoes to wear. Whichever one don't run your bunion up. Just get your shoes on and get up out your house. <laughs> I was going out for dinner one night. We were going to meet. And I called one of the saints and I said, where do you want to meet? I don't know. Where's the Lord directing you? I said, God, don't direct me to where I'm going to eat. I said, if it got a face and you can catch it, I'm going to eat it. Where are we meeting? I, said, I don't need a word about dinner. <laughs> Some folks so spiritual, they don't have no sense. Spirituality is not to make you weird, it's to make you powerful. And when you become weird, it's because your pride is demanding attention. So you use that for pride moments to try to show people you're more spiritual than anybody else. So I can't even pick a restaurant unless the Lord leads me. That's not God making you spiritual, that's you being strange so you can get attention. Because whatever you want to eat, if you can cook it and kill it, God will bless it. So just eat. <laughs> be spiritual. Don't be strange. <laughs> I hope I'm helping saints tonight. Now, here they are. This baby has been born. And they're wrestling. This is how we're going to close out. They're wrestling. When you begin to speak God's word, when you begin to declare destiny, there is this season that you've got to come through. And there's a wrestling season where everything that you have birthed outside of the will of God, God is going to let it grow around you before he brings into manifestation the word he gave you. Why? Because he has to let you see the difference between a God birth destiny and a man birth promise. He has to let you see the difference so that when you see him birth it, you will go, I will live in his birthing and his blessings and I will never do these things again. He has to let you see it so you'll know the difference because if you never know the difference, you would get the blessing first and end up walking in the counterfeit later. So God lets the counterfeit show up first. I want you to hear me. Many of y'all who are so prophetic, 
That's why you keep going, but it seemed good, and then it went bad. He always lets the counterfeit show up first so that when the real comes, the counterfeit has manifested enough in front of you that you have discerned what you don't want. So that when the real shows up, you'll protect the real and walk away from the false. So he lets you taste it enough that when you get a taste of real fresh water, you'll never let salty water fill your life again. He lets you taste crazy people relationships just enough that when good friends show up, you go, oh, oh. I'm going to run with y'all and you, I'm going to pray for you. Because you need a couple of them pills every night. We're going to work our way with you. <laughs> God lets you understand what it's like to build a life on your principles for money. And then he lets you begin to see what it's like when you learn how to trust him and tithe and give. And then suddenly you go, oh, if it looks like this. I'm going to tithe the rest of my life. He lets you see your own choices first so that when you see what his principles can produce, you suddenly go, I'm going to live in the principles of God the rest of my life. When we begin to speak the promises of God, there comes this process that I described tonight that every person has to walk through. Every person has to walk through the testing of their faith. You have to walk through the pressure and the testing of time. You have to walk through the season where everything will try to make you compromise. That's what Egypt does. Compromise. Settle here. God has forgotten me. You must master your emotions for your emotions will tell you God is not going to keep his word. And when you come through that season, you reach the place where now your Isaac is being born. Your Isaac. Most of you who are in this room, you'll know this because you study the word. But what does the name Isaac mean? Laughter. The name Isaac literally means laughter. God said, when I give you what you've been waiting for, I'm birthing laughter in your life. He says, this promise you've been waiting for, I'm going to birth a laughter in you that'll make you laugh the rest of your life. Can you imagine that for all of his life, when they said to him, Isaac, it's dinner time. They were saying, laughter, come and eat. When they said, Isaac, it's time to wake up. They were saying, laughter, rise up again. When they said, Isaac, son, come walk with your father. They were saying, laughter, walk now with Abraham. When they said laughter, Isaac learned the word of God. They were saying laughter, learn the promises of God. Laughter sat in Abraham's house. Laughter hugged Sarah around the neck. Laughter sat beside his father. Laughter was placed on an altar and an angel said, do not kill laughter. For laughter came from God. Laughter rose up and was blessed a thousand times in his own lifetime because he trusted God. Laughter found a wife at a well and her name was Rebecca. Laughter, laughter, laughter. Laughter was his name. 
Every one of us in this room, when we begin to walk by the promises of God and we begin to declare what God is saying, the promise that he has made to you is I will fill your life with laughter. That the laugh of faith will sit in your house. That every time the enemy tries to make you question God, you'll look at your laughter and remember God's goodness. That when the devil says, can God really do it? You'll look at laughter and say, well, if he gave me that, he can give me this. Ah, uh, he said, I'm going to give you so much laughter that your laughter will remind you of God's faithfulness. My, my, my. Oh, and when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. And then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue filled with singing. Ah, God says the promise of a redeemed life is laughter and singing. The promised land is full of laughter and singing. So I'm just about done, but I just want you to turn and look at somebody. Would you just find one person? Look them in the face. Just one person. And, and <laughs> that was good. She said, look me in the face. And we're just going to do this by faith. I want you to look at them and just go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> the sound of laughter. The sound of overcomers, the sound of conquerors. Slaves don't laugh, free men laugh. Yes, laughter is heard in the camp. When we were growing up, I'm getting ready to, I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna hand it back over to Pastor Russ. We were growing up, there was such a simple song that we learned growing up. It would have been enough when he gave joy, it would have been enough. When he gave peace, it would have been enough. When he gave love, but he gave laughter into my soul. It should have been enough. When he gave love, should have been enough. When he gave peace, it should have been enough. When he gave joy, but he gave laughter into my soul. Ha, 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 ha. Ho, 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 ho. Ha, 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 ha. Ho, 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 ho. Ha, 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 ha. Ho, 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 ho. And he gave laughter into my soul. We would sing that song every year at the beginning of the year. Many of you have heard of Joseph Garlington. When his brother was killed in a car accident at the funeral, Bishop Garlington stood up and as he began to preach the funeral, he threw his head back and said, ha, 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 ha. Ho, 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 ho. He sung this song. Ha, 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 ha. Ho, 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 ho. Ha, 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 ha. Ho, 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 ho. 
but he put laughter into my soul. You learn that the greatest victory of a believer is the joy of victory. Never let your joy be stolen. Never let sadness become your portion. Never let depression hold you captive because you don't believe God can do what he said. But you have to on purpose and with purpose laugh at your enemy. Well, the Bible says he that sits in the heaven shall laugh. He shall have him in derision. God laughs at the devil. He laughs at him. He that sits in the heavens laughs. He looks at the devil and said, you think you can beat me? Ha, ha, ha. And then he gave us that victory and seated us in heavenly places. Gave us power over the enemy. Gave us the power of the blood of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. And God says, you've got to learn how to laugh in the face of trouble. When Kenneth Hagin had a heart attack and they were rushing him all the way to the hospital, he was laying in the ambulance and they were saying to him he would not survive. Brother Hagin said he began to pray in tongues very softly. He's dying now, dying. And all of a sudden he said, and he heard the Holy Ghost say, now laugh. And he's laying in the ambulance and he begins, and he begins, ha, 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 ha. And the people said, he's become delusional. Give him some morphine. He said, I'm not delusional. He said, I'm getting my healing now. And all the way to the hospital, he kept going, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. The nurse said, he must be dying. He sounds crazy. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. When he got to the hospital, they took him in. They plugged him up to the machines and began to check him. And where there had been this major explosion in his heart, he had what they call a widow maker. Mm. His heart had exploded. But while he was in the ambulance, this is what they said. The tissue that had torn came back together and another vein formed around the blockage. Ah. Because the Bible says, laughter doeth good. Like a medicine. Oh, yes. He said, you're trying to figure out what dosage to give me. But I've got a medication being loosed in my system from the Holy Ghost that's healing me right now. There is a power in God we don't understand. That when you begin to speak and declare, you've got to make a choice to live in the spirit. And once you start to live in the spirit, whatever comes against you, you've got to look at opposition 
and make a decision by the power of God. I will not let my mouth kill my miracle. I will not let doubt have my tongue. I will not let fear control my mouth. But if I can't figure out anything else to do, I'm going to laugh so the devil knows he can't own my voice. I'm going to laugh in the face of trouble. I'm going to stand in faith. And when this is all over, I'm going to stand on top of my warfare and declare the Lord is for me, not against me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. You make a decision. It's a decision. It's a decision. It's a decision. You make a choice. What you choose to believe is what you believe. What you choose to walk in is how you'll walk. You make a choice. Mm. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I could preach another 30 minutes, but I'm not going to. Oh, but I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. It's your choice. It's your choice. I'll never forget. I had gone through one of the worst seasons of my life. Horrible season. This was years and years ago. I felt like I was in warfare all the time. I don't know if you've ever had a season when you just feel like, you know the Lord is with you, but you feel like everywhere you turn, you're having to fight. You're trusting God, but... Your body is sick. Your money gets funny. The people you're leaning on, they go crazy. And you start asking God, is there any relief? And I was sitting in my house. Oh, God is good. As I was sitting in my house, you have to say something. You have to speak something. The Lord asked me and said to me, what do you believe? I said, what do you mean? I said, I'm trusting you as much as I know. He said, you're trusting me, but you're not saying anything. What do you believe? And I remember I got up and I was in my little apartment and I began to walk around the living room of my apartment. And I began to say, Debbie, I said it over and over for about three days in a row. I kept walking around. I had one chair. Couldn't afford a couch. I had a chair, one chair. When people came over to visit, we put bean bags out. ha. <laughs> Everybody had to sit on a beanbag. And anybody over 60 that showed up got the chair and I sat in the beanbag because we never could get them back up. <laughs> I had one friend come for a visit and they stayed for about four hours. I said, this is the longest visit you ever stayed. He said, I didn't want to stay. I just can't get up. Lord said, what do you believe? I said, I believe you. He said, but you're not saying anything. And I got up and I began to walk around and I began to declare the word of the Lord. I began to say over and over, I believe my future is in your hand. And you are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. What you have spoken concerning my life, you will do it and you will bring it to pass. I believe that you said you would bless unto the third and to the fourth generation. You said you would bless unto a thousand generations.
I believe that the blessing of the Lord is coming upon me and I am standing in that. I said, Lord, I believe you said that if I would give, you would give unto me good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And you would cause men to give into my bosom. That's what I believe. I believe you said that I would be blessed in the city and in the field. So I am a blessed man and I declare that I am blessed. And you said I was going to go to nations and preach and prophesy. And you said that I would one day have a ministry that would touch the world. And you said I would live in the fruit of your own blessing and in the fruit of the labors I would have for you. You said I would hear your voice and prophesy to your people. I said, I didn't come up with these words. This is what you spoke. And the Lord said to me, but you haven't been saying it. Keep saying it for three days. I walked around my little chair in my apartment and I kept saying what God had spoken over me. Every prophecy in every notebook, I opened them up and threw them on the little table I had and I would declare them and walk around. After three days, it felt like somebody had poured hot oil into me. I was in my little, little room and I'm jumping up and down shouting, saying, God is for me, not against me. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. You know how you have that Holy Ghost moment when your voice drop about two octaves? You know, some of y'all ain't never got that. But you'll just have that moment where all of a sudden you start to declare and all of a sudden you go, now the Lord is with me. I call it James Earl Jones, Holy Ghost. You sound like Darth Vader for a minute. Mm, I am your father. <laughs> And I'm walking around declaring the word of the Lord and I'm feeling the power of God. And after three days, the Lord said, now I can move. I said, what? But you're God. He said, I know. But I could not move until you finally agreed. I said, but I believe you. This is what he said. He said, believing is not agreeing. He said, when you heard me the first time, you believed, but you never made your mind agree. He said, you've got to say it until doubt does not live in your mind. He said, now you are in agreement with me. You have made yourself agree. He said, now that you agree, watch me do it. And literally, Every day for two weeks, something miraculous would happen. Somebody showed up and gave me a check. The next day, I'm walking out and a woman in the parking lot goes, I don't know who you are, but could you pray for me? And I'm praying for, nobody had ever asked me to pray for anything. I'm praying for this woman in the parking lot and the Lord heals her. I'm driving back and God gives me a word for a man crossing the street and I stopped the car. I mean, I was so wild. I stopped the car, jumped out my car in traffic. Oh, listen, I was so happy to have God talking. I jumped out in my car. I said, you scared the man, scared him. He goes, yes. I said, you, when you were eight years old, you had a visitation from God. He goes, that's true. I said, God is touching you. He goes, yes. He starts to fall out. Looks like he's having a stroke in traffic. Then I realized, uh, I'm the only black person anywhere around here. I'm going to get back in my vehicle because when they see this man falling out on the side of the road, I'm going to jail. <laughs> One of us is getting arrested and it's going to be me. I promise you. In Orange County, yeah, they coming for me first. <laughs> 
I got back in the car and said, I drive in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost had to get you up. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even know what to do with that. That's all right. It, it'll bless you later. It'll bless you later. <laughs> it was such a season of miracles, and I discovered something. God said, until you said what I said, and made your mind agree, it could not come to pass. I want to say this to some of you. I want to release this and, rele and leave this with you. Some of you need to get home tonight and get some of those prophecies out. And you need to go from believing to agreeing. You need to go from just hearing it and saying, wouldn't that be awesome if that comes to pass? And you need to start saying it every day until your mind comes into a full agreement that it's not just God's will. It is God's absolute conviction that this will be your destiny. And you are agreed with it. I had to say what God said to the point that someone asked me one day. They said, well, what are you going to do in your future? We had all gathered around. I said, I'm going to live my life traveling to nations. They said, but you don't know nobody. I said, I know God. And God told me I'm going. I had to believe this until one of the first times I was taking off. They did the when you count up the costs and they said for where you're going, the number of days you're going to be gone, you need to have in your bank account at least $30,000 because I was going overseas for 42 days. And you've got to be able to live. You got to find rooms, get food, buy little plane tickets, traveling place to place. I had $628. And when I went to the airport to get on the plane, my friend said to me, you are insane. I said, no, I am in faith. I said, and if God can't provide for me, he's not God. I said, all I know is all I know how to do is trust him. And I'm going to trust him. Got on the plane, was gone for the whole time, never missed a meal. Don't know where the money came from. Don't know how they paid for it. I had times when people just showed up. I was in Zimbabwe at one time. And a brother who worked at a bank came up to me and said, I'm supposed to give you this. He gave me an envelope. I thought it was Zim. Zimbabwean money. I thought it was Zim. And I thought, oh, I'll count this later because this is worth nothing. Got back to the room, and the next morning, the Lord said, count that money. I said, Lord, it's not worth anything. I can barely buy a loaf of bread with all that money. He said, count the money. Opened it up, and it was a stack of American $100 bills. I said, wait a minute. Where did this come from? The Lord said, I was holding that for you. The man had had a breakthrough come in his business had made a huge amount of money. The Lord told him to hold that money. There was a profit coming. He had that money sitting in his house. And when I came, the Lord said, bless. So where I didn't have the money in my bank account, in the last place I expected it, in the nation that didn't have the money, from a man who I'd only met once, God provided for my entire time and travel in one envelope from a stranger. 
Someone in this room needs to understand this night I am prophesying into your life that God is going to remove the limitations and the boundaries off your destiny and your future as you step into this next season of faith. I prophesy and declare over you that God is unlocking the hinges that have held you captive to small belief and small thinking that the Lord is going to give you the resources, the connections and the people you need to step into your destiny. I declare over over your life that you will live a fearless life that you will live a life of faith and boldness that you will walk in the power of God that you will encounter his presence and transform lives I declare over your life that the anointing of the Holy Ghost is going to flow through you and set captives free and set people on fire for God and stir up cities to walk in the power of God I declare over your life that you are carriers of revival you are bringers of blessing you are children of glory you are houses of impartation I declare over your life that your house will have encounters with the presence of God that your family will encounter God because of your obedience I declare over your life that all weakness and fear is being dismantled and removed from you that God is filling you with a glory that will never back up nor really I declare over your life that that God is putting in your hands the oil of restoration that you will lay your hands upon the sick the wounded and the broken and in an instant God will recover them and restore them I prophesy to you that the power of God is coming upon your lips and you shall decree a thing and it shall come to pass you shall prophesy and it shall manifest you shall speak to bondages and they will come apart you will declare in empty places and God will fill them and I speak over your future that all that belongs to you cannot be stopped by the hand of the enemy but all that God has promised you belongs to you all that God has decreed over your life shall come to you that God is your faithful guardian he is your father he is your friend he is carrying you in his hand and he will not let you go. He is holding you in his presence and he shall not change his mind. What he has spoken shall become your destiny. What he has decreed shall become your promise. You shall live in his glory. You shall walk in his ways. You shall be found in his presence. That the pleasures of the Lord shall be your dwelling place. That the glory of the Lord shall be your home. That angels shall walk around your bedroom and release revelations. That you shall have encounters with him that change the next four generations of your bloodline. That God will speak to you himself in ways that change you forever. And may you live in the laughter of a life full of answered prayers. May God delight himself in you and may you delight yourself in God. May you hear him and may you answer him. May you love him and fall in love with him every day. And may you live in the blessing of his name for he is most worthy and most true. Father, we honor you this night we love you 
You are wonderful and worthy. You are honorable and true. You keep your promises and you do not lie. There is none other like you. You have no challenge. You have no equal. You alone are good. You alone are kind. You alone are righteous. You alone are worthy. You deserve all the honor we give you. You are worthy beyond all words. And we love you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. You have been good to us. You have been faithful.